everybody, welcome to episode 05 of Sync Ratios. Yeah. An Evangelion podcast hosted by me, Luke Piotrowski. And me, Ben Collins. And we're here to talk about episode 5, Ray, Beyond Her Heart. This is incredibly dense and we get a lot to talk about. We're going to try and discuss it without just recounting every single thing that happens. But there is there's a, lot a lot to happen there's a lot and there's a lot that's process. worth talking about. This, so. is, this is a script by Akio Satsukawa and Hideaki Anno. So this Anno's getting in there to give mm-hmm. us uh, a bunch of info. And then the director is Keiichi Sugiyama, who um, I looked up and I think he had done like an anime adaptation of The Trap Family. Um, maybe this was the guy who did the previous episode, but one of them I think did it was. Uh, an episode that, uh, I mean, it did an anime series that was about the, you know, the same basis as Sound of Music. The Von Trapp family. Von Trapp family. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's really funny. Which, which director it was, but yeah, I was like, just, you know, cause there, there are some of these directors have gone on to become, you know, prominent mm-hmm. figures with big careers. And so I just started to, okay, I should check out everybody yeah, and yeah, see, yeah. see what we know. And, and I, I found that there was the existence of this anime that seemed really interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I'm curious. But so, okay. So, I mean, last episode we said we would talk about the, the opening credits theme song. So even though this, this episode is very dense yeah. and we want to get to all this stuff, um, well, this is kind of indicative of that because the credits we were commenting are very informationally dense. Yeah. So the opening credits, this is Cruel Angel's thesis mm-hmm. or thesis of a cruel angel, however mm-hmm. you, you want to do that translation. Um, this is by Yoko Takahashi. Like so that's the you know the vocals. The lyrics are by Neko o, uh, uh, sorry Neko Oikawa. It's a little dark okay. in here. Composition Turn Hidetoshi Sato, and then the arrangement is Toshiyuki Omori. Um, I guess this is still a pretty popular uh, karaoke jam for for people. Oh, that's really funny. So I hear. But yeah, so there's the song. This is. Sorry, I got up for a second to turn a light on. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, um, it's it's and it's probably for a lot of people who aren't even like big fans or just have a passing knowledge. Uh, this this is one of the more memorable things of Evangelion. There's a lot of people that like I've heard this the theme song used, you know, as punchlines to jokes online and stuff like it's like it's, somebody did something with like the lyrics of. Uh, it's a mashup with the Fresh Prince of Bel Air song. Oh God, I don't saw that one. I saw like the party rock one where they took the video for that song and put it. <laughs> like, it's a common. It's really. It's like if you're gonna do like an anime pun and you want like an anime theme song to be the joke of a thing, it's a really good one There's for that. Actually, an episode. Pokemon's probably more famous for that. Yeah, but like, but for popular. you know, for the real heads, this is this is where you go. Well, there's a uh, episode of regular show or Cartoon Network show with the little the blue jay and the raccoon looking guy oh i don't know that show. they did an episode where they did these opening credits like uh, very close parallel parody very specifically of when, all these shots and there's there's all there's a number of the steamed hams simpsons things that use it <laughs> uh-huh. that's really weird and then my favorite podcast chapo trap house which is a like a political podcast have used this song in some of their skits like multiple times is <laughs> it's just it's it's so like you you it's a chance you know this song without having seen evangelion and there's a guaranteed chance that if you love evangelion and that's why you're listening to this podcast right now that this song means a lot to you because if you've watched the show it, you're so used to like just that 
you know soaring feeling when the, the you know the music mm-hmm. comes up i'd compare it to like you know the x files opening credits <laughs> or like twin peaks yeah. like the shows I mean, they have a, a distinct it, feeling it's, it's from this era of like where the anime openings where just these like weird pop song i mean it, it still happens from time to time but just seems very tonally and like like it doesn't like what does this have to do with the show like it doesn't like these lyrics kind of do i mean it's the cruel angels thesis and all that stuff mm-hmm. but just in terms of what it sounds like this doesn't call like the x-files theme legit scared me when i was a kid like the first time i heard it that creeped me out oh yeah, yeah, yeah sets the table for the show but here this <laughs> this like well yeah so but, I mean, pop song. but it def- it become but it be the association gets there over time in 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 like when you hear it, you well, know. Well, there's an oh, acapella shit, version to, yeah. of it that I would like played at my funeral. Yeah, absolutely. Oh wow, I don't know if I've heard that. Um, so, so I mean, so what it is, and you've seen it, whatever. It's a bunch of flashing images overlapping and overlaying, and and it's a lot of stuff that, especially at this point in watching the show, you have no fucking idea what half this stuff means, and a lot of it is, you know, Ava and Angel action shots and stuff, and so like we were talking, we were commenting as we were watching it this time that like. It's definitely the the intro credits here are 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 selling the audience on the show they want to be watching to some degree and and you're at this point you're watching especially having just seen the episode prior where you know Shinji's sad and riding around on trains for an entire episode this is definitely you're sticking around to get to this shit the the you know all this big crazy stuff yeah. What does it all mean? What is these symbols? These you know. There's all, yeah. There's just a lot. Of, yeah. Like what is that? The the life tree. This like with the Sephiroths on it. That I I don't. It's it's like a kabbalistic thing yeah, about a, like yeah the map to enlightenment or whatever. It, you see the same symbol. It's in Ghost in the Shell. It's in the yeah. museum when she's fighting the tank, and uh, it's like shooting up that that tree mm-hmm. we should we should research yeah we'll a little look bit up more Kabbalah about stuff and what that is um because also the character sephiroth from final fantasy 7 yeah. i think has something to do with with that too and yeah i think it is just sort of a map towards there it is yeah hanging hanging out you get lots of silhouettes of all the misados in particular i think also some of the other female characters it's sort of like james bond style uh <laughs> like. yeah well, yeah, it is very James Bond. Yeah, the silhouettes of like nude female forms, kind of yeah. twisting and raising their heads and stuff. But you get like stuff like Absolute Terror Field, uh, Test Type, which is we'll find out more about this. But we're going to see Ava Zero Zero in this episode. That's the prototype. Ava Unit One is the Test Type, and then there's the Production Type. See that, and this is the stuff we see. talked about before. The flashing bold text is a very Godardian touch and so whether it's that other director that you referred to mm-hmm. uh, or Godard's directly like it's and it was funny because I, I pieced it together when I was making the logo for this podcast or the temporary logo that or I was having to look up like what typeface they used for a lot oh, of the Evangelion things and I started looking at it and thinking like oh man like the huge titles that's a Godard thing I was like oh that, that's, a, that's a very direct so just flashing bold with him it was always like socialist or communist like political messages that he would flash in things mm-hmm. but it's you know it's different here and uh, What's interesting that it's we fun. get flashes of like some really like there's a flash of I'm, I've got this book that sort of lays out like frame by frame a lot of the images that you see and like the shot that I called out of Gendo's smiling lips under his hands mm-hmm. is one of the flashes. There's also a flash of this creepy looking embryo in a in a mm-hmm. tray. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that is yet. There's a lot of stuff. This this giant 
Evangelion silhouette that seems to be made out of light. Mm. There's a lot of like really important things that we're just getting tiny glimpses of, and even up to characters that we have not met yet. Which is is interesting because it's like you know we're all very used to. I mean, they don't do it as much anymore, but like like Buffy is the the one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. It was sort of at the end of that that opening credits trend of it's clips from what they've filmed so far in the <laughs> right. show. You yeah. know, it's like you've got... Cause so like, far that season. Yeah, it's like, so when it's season one of a show, you know, when they start airing them, let's say, I mean, I don't know, with Buffy, like there was 22 episodes in the first season. Let's like, say they start they, airing... Well, there was the 12, but yeah. Oh, was it, was it, oh sorry. It was a yeah. short season. It was, yeah, so even then, so they probably start airing when there's like five episodes basically mm-hmm. edited or shot. Yeah, yeah. And so they're cutting together stuff that they know is going to be in there but it's always sort of funny because when you watch a show like that, you know that's what that is. You're like, oh, we're going to get to that at some point. And like, except like I think um, uh, Heat Vision and Jack, I think, <laughs> had that when it was just a pilot. And they uh-huh. had, they they filmed, they right. clearly filmed stuff that they were, you know, they didn't actually get to ever shoot. And like, that was one of the only times I saw that, like a joke on that in an American show. But in something like this, like, this is all a way of saying that like, they don't they the have some idea is different here. yeah but they don't they don't know exact like there's outlines for sort of where the show is going to go but I, I am always interested to see like you know this character asuka that we glimpse here she's not going to show up for another couple episodes here and like just knowing that they okay well we we knew that character was mm-hmm. coming we knew this i think there's even sketches of uh do we even see like kawaru in here somewhere there's like sketches I of characters like is, but maybe not that uh are really on down the line and elements of the show that are really on down the which line. Is, so. Which is probably, it's like, it's almost like animated concept art or something like that. Because it's like, you know, like when, yeah. a, when, a, when like the trailer for like a big movie comes out, you know, like, uh, like a Marvel movie or something like that, where like they've, they rush the VFX on the shots they're going to, you know, use in the trailer when they haven't actually finished the full movie or something like that. Right. And it's like, so it seems like that's kind of what it is with this is like, well, they got enough, they had to have enough of this concept art and thought out in terms of character designs and the, the work that probably goes ahead of actual animation production mm-hmm. and that they're sort of isolating some of those things to animate for this opening credit sequence when I don't know. Because this is the only one that you get. You know, like some of the they don't shows change, that, that's, that's that They don't update it like in an American right. show, like in Buffy. When or it was even to add, like, you know, uh, Full Metal Alchemist has like four or five oh, different openings. And, you know, they change the theme song. You know, you have every season or halfway through the season, you get, you know, New song, new animation. And it was this. like in Death Note. It was like when season two or whatever, and then you <laughs> yeah. get like the different music yeah. and stuff. And yeah, yeah. And I, I'm always excited when that happens. But this just has the one opening in this, which is another one of the reasons why I think it's significant to people because it's if you watch the show, this is the only one that in the Fly yeah. Me to the Moon in credits. But that changes too. They use which different is, versions. Yeah, you don't need to talk about Fly Me to the Moon necessarily. There's not much to say other than you know the end credits just have that rotating ray body. And yeah. And different covers of Fly Me to the Moon, which mm-hmm. is like moon imagery and moon stuff becomes kind of important here. But it is, I was it always just so baffled by that choice. And, and I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Fly Me to the Moon and all the, all the soundtracks, I think is like one of the second or third Evangelion soundtracks. Just is like 20 tracks straight of just all the different versions of Fly oh, Me to the hilarious. Moon. And like all in a row. <laughs> I mean, I like it enough. I go to, we live in Los Angeles. I, you know, I'll go to the, the Dresden and Marty and Elaine will play it or something like that. But like, it's not. Well, I, uh, I do like it now when I hear it in the wild because of it. Yeah. The connotations of like, oh, Evangelion. But just as a selection for the show, I was always sort of like, hmm. But 
I love all the uh, uh, other music, which, mm-hmm. you know, the Shiro Sagisu, we have not really talked about yet. Um, it's kind of its whole other thing, but the, oh yeah, all the, the score, the yeah. music. And, and he did he also do the score for Shin Godzilla? He did. Yeah, yeah. you can tell. Super excited that mm-hmm. he did that. Yeah, so we'll talk about him. A little bit more too, but that, that's that's basically. I just wanted to call out what the you know what the what the song was, because <laughs> I'm sure if you're watching the show for the first time, you're noticing like, oh my god, these credits, uh, and just the rap rapid information. And I know that that it ends with these like weird symbols that look sort of like runes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading that apparently, according to Anno's um, storyboards, that is supposed to be angel script from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, interesting. Which is where a lot of the information that. Sele and Nerve have is coming from of how to you know interesting what's you know predictions of what's going to happen and you know some of the information they're using to build these mechs and all that stuff. You know, another just a quick point that I you'd be curious about. Uh, I mean, is Netflix has that skip opening titles feature, yeah, and I'm curious how many people will just do that. Boo, which I say boo to. I think that it's a good rhythmic thing to to do the. To have the, the, you know. the breakup. And if you watch it on the discs, do, do they alternate Japanese yeah, sometimes subtitles it'll be and a, English subtitles as though you're going to learn the lyrics in Japanese, which is hilarious. You and might want to do the karaoke. Yeah. I, I definitely remember trying to you yeah, know, oh, yeah. sing along with the English words. Of, you know, yeah, yeah. Desperate <laughs> for something to touch. <laughs> a moment of thunder like that in a dream. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Rise, young boy, to the heavens as a legend. <laughs> It doesn't really fit, but it's fun too. No, it doesn't. So uh, you know, really. if you're if you're watching this on Netflix and you're skipping the things, maybe don't do that and do what Luke and I would do: is just try to sing along with the lyrics in English. Yeah, do some it's a fun find game. A, find an exercise to do. I <laughs> remember watching Wolf's Rain and kicking kicking my legs every episode. Because but if you're binge watching something, your brain starts to go by mm-hmm. about you know hour five or six, and so you start very much so. you know doing these things during the credits and uh you can get a little workout you know yeah. pump your fist do some push-ups i don't do know some push-ups okay so this episode is incredibly fucking dense so and dense. and is an incredible leap into narrative after the previous episode which was all character based really there yeah. wasn't really a lot of narrative and in this we open like there's still no action in this there's still no, no. battles well there's, there's there's we cut off you know it right before one but it's it's a really good intense buildup to get there and it starts coming in real hot with this what they tell us is a flashback uh scene that we've seen like when they when they hinted like in Does previous it episodes 22 days ago so. can you jump back, back? see because this is pretty much this is how we find out why ray yeah. was in the state that she was when we saw her in, in well and we saw two days ago. i think in episode two there's a shot where they go to check on unit zero or something where like ritzko and gendo are standing in the little observation yeah, deck this is how you find and out you the see the walls trashed. all fucked up and stuff like that so they're doing an activation test on unit zero with and this is its first activation test actually and they're putting ray in there to sort of get the ava in this little testing room see how it moves and there's a problem with her her sync ratio and no. it, it, it there's problems with it connecting with her and it goes berserk in the room and so this is this is in some ways like so so we're you know this is a, a, a an event that happened before the events of episode um, zero one uh, of Evangelion and so we're we're getting a hint as to okay they've seen Berserk before that's why they kind of knew what that was when mm-hmm. it happened to Shinji it also and tells we're you Shinji's it, special yes. because look how difficult it is 
to sync with these things. This and how truly dangerous this shit is. Because it's, it's, it's pretty scary. The thing goes fucking wild. It, and it starts, it starts punching smashing the wall at Gindo. Gindo yeah. and Ritsuko are, are standing there at the window and it punches. It's just like sort of similar to the beam that hits the window where Gendo's standing in mm-hmm. episode one. He's often sta- standing at windows. where And being real like, badass about it. Just like this giant fucking monster machine thing is yeah. clearly trying to kill him. Really flinch, and he's just standing there as the glass is like shattering around him, like a badass. And you uh, know, Fiutski's also there. He, we, he's an important character that we haven't called out, but he's been in every episode. He's, he's just he's, always in the background. He's, he's the, the guy, that Ian McKellen-looking guy, that's just like hanging mm-hmm. out behind Gendo all the time. Um, he's sort of the nerve, nerve second in command. Yeah, there's some really great business in terms of animation. Like last time, there was a lot of you know just Shinji wandering around, and so like I said, there's no not a lot of action here, but there is. Some really cool animation stuff of like when the entry plug comes out. Oh, it's so and the good. detail of that there are jets to break its fall before it hits the ground. So like, tss. and then when the entry plug. I mean, um, did I say entry plug? Yeah. I meant the power plug. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, the umbilical cable, but the entry plug is even cooler because it sort of shoots out of like they 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 have to eject Ray out of it in the entry plug, and it's sort of like. Um, has these like jets that shoot it out but then because they're in this like danger room like enclosed space it just sort of r- slides across the ceiling and the walls like because it has nowhere to go detail. it's yeah it's very well animated and then we see this big you know this is the most that gendo's ever done we get this thing where ray's trapped in the entry plug and he rushes down he and, runs he hauls ass down and there. he his glasses fall off and he burns his hands opening the hatch to get her out of there it's very heroic it's the most sort of passionate we've seen him be and you know we're seeing this is this is what how Ray ended up being injured and and yeah that, and and they I just want to call out the the Bakelite this is the this liquid that they pour in there this is the, like the emergency precautions for when you're doing this Ava test if it goes out of control that red stuff comes pouring in mm-hmm. that's the Bakelite that like hardens and keeps the Ava in place so that's what's going on there with that stuff pouring out of the walls um, and then you get this really great shot I just love how they cut out of things of the glasses. Sitting there in the heat of all this ejected entry plug and everything, and then the heat warps the lenses, and they crack. Yeah. And as soon as they crack, you cut to Cuts the black. Cuts on the thing the with title. the title, yeah. Ray beyond her heart, and it's a pretty powerful opening flashback. Yeah, and then is it? And then it goes from here into Ritsuko giving us a lot of information. Yeah, that's that Ray's mental instability is what they're blaming the yeah. the failed connection on. Um, in the present day, we're sort of looking at the aftermath of <laughs> two episodes ago. Two it's episodes this big, ago. it's like a, a like a chalk line on the ground, which is <laughs> presumed, you know, is, is Ava Unit One where where Shinji left it before, and then they are uh, I'm looking at the angel because the angel didn't blow up. The, yeah, the third angel, Satchiel, he self destructed, but uh, Shamshell, our mm-hmm. our purple guy. He was stabbed in the core, and he's still here. So oh, the dick-looking one. Yeah, the dick one. Yeah. So they're all with their little hard hats on. Looks like they have little Mega Man villains on their heads. Um, they are looking at the the body of the angel and yeah, analyzing and it. Yeah, Ritsuko is doing some sort of computer test, and this is where she says that uh, the material, the the matter that composes the, the, the angels, DNA. is yeah. what, they don't. It's it's not of any known earthly component like they don't know what this is or where it comes from um but that dna wise it's like 99.8 percent human yeah which is like you know they're all sort of jaw dropped 
at this realization. So, you know, these giant fucking monsters that are coming from space or wherever the hell they're coming from and attacking us that we're fighting off have DNA very, very similar to humans. So this is, a yeah, just the question of, like, what exactly are we fighting? You know, everybody's fighting because they're being told to, but this is where it starts to become very clear that certain people have access to information that other people don't. You know, you got your pilots, you got Shinji and Ray that just kind of do what they're told. You have Misato who's a little bit higher up, but then you got people like who are present at that at that test like Gendo and Fyutsuki mm-hmm. and Ritsuko who know a little bit or a lot more. Which is it, it, so this is I mean And then the UN and Sele and the Human Instrumentality Committee and on and on. <laughs> yeah, and this is where like it's it's one of the things that he's doing that Ano's doing with this stuff is is as we've already talked about like I mean right from the beginning you know the idea of giant mechs versus giant you know monsters you know is like a is a, is a kaiju thing it's a mm-hmm. it's a basically we understand it thing but very you know early on we saw that there is more to the avas than just like we keep talking about they're not just machines they are there's something biological or organic about them they they have human looking hands they you know like mm-hmm. they aren't the robot suit themselves the robot suit is something that could come off of them and they have this weird humanoid form underneath they can you know go berserk they can act outside of their programming they're not mm-hmm. bound by these things and this so so the idea that you're giving us this genre tropey thing and then immediately kind of going, yeah, but this one's a little different. This is not what you would expect this to be. And you're going to find that there's a lot more going on here. This is the first time we get that about the angels where it's like, oh, yeah, okay, on. like, you know, these aren't just monsters. There's something they're more about somewhere. This. They're trying to do something, which is, which, which immediately makes me think of they're not that different from humans. It, it, it seems like a reference because we talked about Starship Troopers for a couple different reasons in the mm-hmm. previous thing. I've never read the Heinlein novel, but I've obviously I seen the Paul Verhoeven movie. But it, I know that like that has some, you know, we're battling these things and we don't understand. And there's some realizations about what's really going on there. Mm-hmm. And then same with the um, Miyazaki movie. Um, you know, oh, the is Nausicaa, right? Yeah, Nausicaa, yeah, that, which, which has a similar kind of thing. It's like, which is, I think, inspired probably partly by Starship Troopers as mm-hmm. well to some degree of these like monstrous things that we don't understand that we're at war with but oh is there something more it's also probably dune there's probably you mm-hmm. know there's, there's a relationship to dune so just calling out that like there are precedents to this uh in you know beloved sci-fi but that this still for an anime yeah. tv show of this kind i think this is still really fresh and something that people are probably intrigued by and well, so, you you know, watching the, it, it's the world building thing whatever you're gonna have to eventually complicate it you know i this is a show that doesn't that poses a lot of questions and doesn't always answer everything so mm-hmm. it's not like this is like big reveals necessarily i, I don't want to say too much but you know this this treats it differently than some of those things do mm-hmm. but you're right that this is a thing to flag i think uh i also think of boku rano is another yep. anime show Absolutely. that is pilots children pilots engaged in a battle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh um i just i just find myself wanting to just like really sell that show which is also a oh really great yeah. show but like yeah i mean if netflix ever gets their shit together and puts boku rano up we'll do a whole other podcast probably <laughs> yeah but boku rano is very yeah but that has a similar sort of what are when you find out what are we fighting and why are we fighting like then that puts that question even more at the forefront yeah of, uh, yeah and complicates the idea of the heroic you know, and also, I mean, in, 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 you know, Anno's first show, Gunbuster, Gynax, is that mm-hmm. Gynax one of their first, if not their first? Yeah, that yeah, that, well, that was their first OVA thing, that, and that was what Anno directed. The Wings of Honey Mise, the, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. was their theatrical big production thing. 
um, and they had Nadia's Secret of Blue Water, which is which I've also never seen. interesting. I saw it not that long ago, a few years ago, um, and stuff like the shots of the escalators. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so so Nadia. Like there's definitely oh, stuff cool. towards the end of Nadia where you start to see, okay, they're getting ready to do Evangelion. Okay, so okay, let's catch back up to like what the yeah. There's there's so much to cover here, and so... <laughs> and we're, we're we we were now relying very heavily on just playing it back on silent while we do this. For so that we this don't episode, I think in particular, it's important because there's so many little throwaway lines that you know you want to call out, and you know just because you're gonna you want to comment on all of it. But Shinji, you know, recognizes that his hands have been burned, and this is. You know, where the, yeah, the go, Gendo's hands have been burned. The story yeah. that that Gendo rescued Ray, which is it's just funny because it's like it's like the first time that he's hearing his dad like care about anybody or care yeah. about anything, and he's like kind of jaw dropped. He's like, "What the fuck? My dad like tried like hurt himself to save another person, and it's in in you know probably on a deeper level, and that person wasn't me." Yeah, one hundred percent. The weird the weird jealousy. There's a lot of weird jealousy stuff going on because you see in the flashback. Ritsuko kind of looks at him going to rescue Rei and kind of yeah. has a little bit of a reaction there. And then we're going to see Shinji later on sees Gendo and Rei interacting. And oh, Rei, who never smiles, mm-hmm. is smiling at him, at Gendo. And Gendo, who is always an asshole to Shinji, is being sweet to her. And so there's a lot of th- whatever's going on with Rei and Gendo is kind of pissing off a lot of people who feel like they want attention from some of those people. Well, and, and, you know, and Ray's been hanging out in the show, you know, largely in casts and young gurneys and shit like that. Yeah. Not really being a presence, but she's, so the, it's like the show's accounting for the fact that this character's just been there and we don't really know much about her. And this episode is this where episode's we really, all about really dig in. And so Shinji being the very, you know, as always, but especially in this one, the audience surrogate of being like, what the fuck is up with her? <laughs> and so we get this scene at the school that you know uh the prior translation was funnier but we're you know raised back at school she's out of all of her bandages and she's there's the girls are doing swimming class or something mm-hmm, and yeah. the boys are in there like you know gym shorts and stuff and they're all watching the girls and and uh kinsuke and and toji and all the guys are sort of you know talking about how hot the girls are and shinji's sort of wistfully staring off at ray who's just by herself not talking to anyone or doing anything mm-hmm. and uh and you get a bunch of stuff where the guys are teasing him like he's checking, her, checking out. her out and uh uh just to call there's a part where they <laughs> They say, oh, you're looking, and they, they listen. Ayanami's boobs, Ayanami's thighs, Ayanami's calves. In the, in the, so, again, we'll be, we talk about the translations a lot. The one that we first watched, the it was, I want to say it was boobs, butt, and naughty bits. <laughs> yeah, it definitely culminated in naughty bits. Naughty bits. That was just a funny. Well, I was pointing out in this translation that it goes in reverse order of, like, appropriateness of yeah. what you should be sort of admiring on somebody. Yeah, they sort of squeal class. on the word calves. You know, calves, okay. Like, you know, somebody's got, yeah, nice nice calves. Thighs, okay. That's a little well, It, it would be traveling up. And then boobs. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, well, don't comment on that. So it's a real uh, de-escalation on this in this version, and I don't know what Netflix is going to have, and I don't know what the actual translation is, no. what what these words are actually. But anyway, yeah, it's it's sort of interesting in that they're trying to um, objectify her, and then it just gets kind of sad because then they then they sort of realize like, oh yeah, she has a hard time. She's never talked to anybody. Like, oh, she's probably got a lousy personality. Mm-hmm. But the complication of that they're sort of into the idea of just looking at her as you know, oh, is she hot? But then. It sort of takes this turn where they start 
thinking about her as a human being. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really clear to us other than the the curiosity and in, in in some kind of jealous component what Shinji thinks about her because he's not right it, the, the Shinji's sexuality and and his relationship to that part of himself hasn't really been discussed a lot like you said we've had him sort of observe or be awkward mm-hmm. in different things and you know but Ray is someone who's his age that he's associated with but doesn't know and so we don't really know what he thinks about that and that's going to get to a a, a really fun pivotal and, and important it's, scene it's interesting that the society here that he's he's interested in ray he's curious about her but whether it's kensuke and toji sort of like oh you're checking her out or even misato later on at the house you know there's a scene when you know this all you know the, the plot sort of necessitates that he go talk to ray and ritsuko gives him this ray's card that you know go drop this off to her that Misada's like, oh, you're looking at her picture? Like, mm-hmm. this weird thing that we do as a society of, like, when when people of opposing genders, especially young people, show any sort of interest or curiosity in, in the other person yeah. as a person or in any way, yeah. the, the immediate response from from people around them is like, oh, are you two a thing? And that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, the, the, we'll, as the show goes, some of that kind of youthful angsty stuff just this crops up more the expectations of like yeah, yeah what, what you know what everybody thinks your interests are and what they may actually be and and your sort of inability to process that because society is sort of demanding that you adhere to things in a certain way i don't know I well and, then, and it's all couched within them you know babbling it's the end of the world and all this stuff like that where it's like you know you're, you're taking very normal teenage stuff and placing it against the context of yeah. dire consequence in the global scale and and you know that's why it's a good show you know and then we'll just flag this there's another fun uh you know eating instant food at at uh, masato's house scene where they've had ritsuko over for dinner and Masato drinking theme comes on we see pen pen again for the first time Mm -hmm. which uh now you get a really good look at his name tag which always really tickled me is that his his it's not even pen pen spelled out it's pen squared yeah yeah (laughs) pen to the power of two (laughs) Uh, and yeah, nobody seems to like Misato's cooking. Yeah, especially Pin Pin, who who also has a beer as well. His we dinner, don't see him pick is it up. Curry with rice and a in a dog bowl. Yeah, and then a beer. Yeah, a dog bowl with his name also printed on it because everyone in this universe loves branding everything. Pen squared. Um, yeah, and so he eats the food and sort of passes out. Um, in a, in a in a very comical anime <laughs> fashion. Yeah. So the um, really broad comedy comes back again for for a moment here. Um, and then I think from here is we go into the big scene. It's funny to describe it as a big scene. What's the big scene? Oh yeah. Let's start talking about that. Scene. So this, and this is a scene that is that they, they replicate in full in the rebuild movie one, uh, which I only called out because it, because it's such a great scene. And it, I think for a <laughs> lot of people that love this show, it's a very memorable scene. And, you know, it was one that, 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 you know, passed it, the cut. It definitely could be, you know, a problematic scene by today's standards, especially, you know, even at the time, just, and you'd sort of chalk it up to, you know, cultural differences and whatever, you know, it's a weird show that the, these characters are 14 years old and there's definitely some male gazy stuff and fan servicey stuff going on with these characters. And, you know, I flag that and I'm aware of that, you know, I but think- there's also more going on even in the scene than we yes. know at the time. And yes. that's, and that's what it, so, so it's a scene where, 
Ritsuko has tasked Shinji with bringing uh, Ray's new ID card uh, mm-hmm. and dropping it off at her apartment, which is maybe a ruse to get them to talk to each other uh, on the part of Ritsuko and Masato. Or right, we don't know get, that yet. Yeah, Shinji opening up to people. So he, he, oh, I do. Before oh. at the end of this scene, I just it's is right before the oh, episode yeah. break. I really love Ritsuko's not my favorite character, but th- there is stuff about her that's really interesting in this line here. When she says she says that Ray is like her father, like like Gendo's father, or, or like, like Shinji's father, Gendo. Yeah, yeah. Yes, like uh, yes, it's like you're, she's like your father. They're not very adept at, and she's like adept at what? And he says living, <laughs> just like to the just the flat out thing of these are people that are not good at living. Yeah. And that's the end of the like segment and we're off to the eye catcher. And I, I, it's really powerful for me and the way she says it and the way she's sort of wistfully looking off, which um, implies a lot of stuff and things that we'll get into. So, yeah. okay. So in this sequence, Shinji is, you know, following an address, you know, that he's got for where to go, where Ray lives. And he's sort of spri- surprised that she lives in this like sort of brutalist building. Uh, that's just sort of like an, like an, it's clearly like in an industrial part of town. Because you keep hearing this clang, this repetitive, like industrial clang. And there's just the trash background. everywhere. And it's like, you know, it's just like a concrete box. And he goes to like ring the doorbell and she doesn't answer. And then the door is unlocked. So he goes in and it's like, you know, you, there's, there's great energy here in the sense of like 14 year old boy going into the home of a girl that he doesn't really know but he's obviously curious about and he's awkward but he's you know been he's here on official business so he feels emboldened by that scene but and it is funny but normally this would be you know sort of cut to the chase as you see in the episode he ends up you know tripping he's he's in her house and she comes out of the shower and he's stuttering and stammering and so nervous and he trips and falls because she he puts on the glasses he's like going Mm -hmm. through shit puts on the gendo glasses that ray has kept which is another important detail of like wow this okay this she kept his glasses and Mm -hmm. like keeps them as a souvenir in the cockpit with her when she does her test later Mm -hmm. on so she's like she's just pissed off that he's going through her stuff um she's not outwardly showing it she just snatches them off his face but it leads to him on top of her with his hand on her breast and so it's like that's a classic, like, tropey joke, but everything about this is played to such excruciating length, and, like, it's so stark that it's mm-hmm. just as upsetting as it is funny. Um, well, you just, you feel so instantly embarrassed for him, so and then it's, it's and, you know, because when he trips, his bag yanks out her drawer and dumps all of her underwear well, on that, him. That's I the mean, thing is like, it's he... all but, he all but has a nosebleed to perfect the sort of just yeah. absurdity of, like, anime comic hijinks. I, I always laugh at the, at the fact that it's not enough for him to be in her house and see her in the shower. It's not enough for her to come over there and for him to fall on her, but that his bag has to pull out the underwear drawer yeah. and literally send bras and panties flying through the air yeah. landing on top of all of them like, and it's, it's just so... if you it's it's the the way it's shot the way it's laid out it's just such a perfectly executed scene well, that tells you so of, much like, oh, rainbow yeah. over them as they're sprawled on the floor together and it just it's one of those things that like 
and I'd have to go back and look at the rebuild one. I think it's almost shot for shot. And it's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, when you get a sequence, it's like the shower scene in Psycho or something like that, where it's like, this is so perfectly executed. Every <laughs> single composition, every beat, the rhythm of it. They just, oh, I the mean, the fact the that he sees her back. in the, because he's wearing his dad's glasses that aren't his glasses. So it's a POV shot of the slightly out of focus blur yeah. with the cracked, you know, part of the glass in the front when she steps out. And it's just everything about this is like so meticulously organized in in you know like she starts to get dressed and turns his back and the different it's just I, i'm just reiterating for everyone that this is a great sequence <laughs> i didn't mean for any of this to happen <laughs> he's so yeah he feels so bad and it's just so i don't know if you if you only watched it once go back and watch the sequence again uh i just think it's fantastic filmmaking and it's so specific it's it so speaks to like a scene that like you said would be in a lot of things but because it's these characters in this director slightly differently yeah. yeah it just it has uh like we're talking about with the you know all the sci-fi stuff like there's just so much le- the, the level of detail and specificity to it makes it feel so real and the way things are lingered upon or cut through quickly you know it just makes it into this much more upsetting and engaging and nuanced version and that it that he's trying to explain to her what the deal is and she just hears the door closing because she's just like she just walks out she's and then, so yeah. calm like could you please move and you know okay and just closes the door on him and that you immediately cut to him just okay well they're both going to the same place so he's like walking following her 10 feet thing. behind yeah. her and they're in like opposite sides of the train and you know, doesn't have anything to say, but the shot ends right when he turns to look at her, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all so good. And I do just want to call out the voice actress, uh, voice actresses, but specifically Ray uh, Megumi Hayashibara is a mm-hmm. famous voice actress. Um, but Ray is such a cold character, and the whole thing is like she feels very robotic and like you know, it's the Spock stuff we talked about. Yeah, she is the the unemotional, which we're yeah, but but she's not. There's a performance there, and it's not boring. Like you know, no. it'd be so easy to just kind of do this very simple thing. But there are moments when she does kind of raise her voice, or you know, show slight interest or rising inflection. And so there's like a lot going on with a character that could be really thankless thus far. Role of like, well, she is very cold and very matter of fact. And so yeah, and then Megumi Ogata is the actress who plays Shinji, ah. and the two of them together. Uh, you know, her really composed, you know, Ray's really composed performance, and then Shinji's stuttering and stammering. Uh, it's <laughs> the two of them together. Yeah, I just, yeah, the, the Japanese voice acting is. No, it's fantastic. And yeah, I mean, if we haven't made it abundantly clear, you should be watching this with Japanese language and subtitles not dubbed. If you can, I mean, some people, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, and listen, I'm, I need, I just need to find the right Gundam. I just want, I just want to call it again. <laughs> I haven't seen any Gundam, and part of the problem is I don't even know where to start, and no. I know there's a series out there for me. Well, you mean and Brian get... K. Vaughn is doing the movie now. Oh yeah, so that now just... you have to like Gundam. I, well, I'm gonna now. I mean, it's, I you know, and it was a big influence on this as well on Evangelion. So you can't have Evangelion <laughs> without Gundam. But yeah, no, I, I I that if anyone listens to this at all, we will certainly hear about the Gundam things i'm just over here swallowing and you know gulping i'm just changing i just i'm if, if you if the joke here is is that if you're a fan of evangelion in <laughs> in and you would talk to other anime people who who either didn't watch the whole thing or were only vaguely aware of it you would get a well, bunch you, of snappy if you go in, in, in expecting it to be 
Gundam where you go and expecting it to be, you know, whatever, a, reg- a regular show. It's going to disappoint you in, in some respects in, in terms of not delivering on or continuing to deliver on the kind of base giant robot yeah pilot no exactly and so there's nothing wrong with liking those shows i'm sure that there's great ones and things like that but it's just like the amount of times i would be in conversations with just other like random nerds like i went to art school and and Uh you know it's like you go to high school and there's maybe five kids in high school that have watched anime and then you go to art school and all those kids came from all over the country to be in school together and you end up in these awkward conversations with people and you say you like this and they're like oh i don't really like evangelion i'm more of a gundam blah 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 guy or trigun or whatever they and they and you're just like well i i can't like i'm not gonna i mean this is why we're doing the podcast is to 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 break down the sort of very minute specificity of why this show in particular Absolutely. is great it's not any one component of the show it's not any one aesthetic decision or any one sort of you know, conceptual decision it's the gestalt of the whole thing and it's just so my joke if i'm short shifting the gundam thing is just that's me being the one with the microphone that doesn't have to listen to other people try to argue with me about why the giant <laughs> oh but the gundams are bigger and that makes them better or something like that it's like oh whatever like I don't the Kasaraki ones or like dance or something i don't remember <laughs> what the Kasaraki ones do but Shinji's uh, Ray slaps Shinji. On yeah, the which so for all this build up about her being this Spock unemotional character, he sort of criticizes his dad and she slaps him. So we see her. He doesn't even criticize. Just like, are you sure you want to get back in that <laughs> thing? Because like last time you went into the Unit Zero, you came out in like a bandage. <laughs> like, yeah, and well, know, she over, she overreacts, very... and she and it's clear that there's some some there's an emotional part to her that he doesn't understand and it has something to do with her commitment to this right. project and her commitment to his father and that's going to continue right. uh being to me that's defensive a component. maybe she knows deep down that uh shinji's got a point probably you know um we see how the plug suits work for the first time the fact that they have like these like sort of vacuum mm-hmm. vacuum seal buttons that you can yeah press sort of fan servicey shot of the form fitting thing fitting mm-hmm. around her form and you know it goes into the sort of so they they, they do the test again with her in in unit zero zero mm-hmm. and it works this time yeah uh so she doesn't get hurt and it doesn't freak out uh and so we you know we're at least primed with the expectation that at some point soon in this show there's going to be multiple avas moving and that she's yeah. going to be in one of them although again she's just standing in the sort of danger room looking set uh as the thing's happening. And that's when they get the, you know, the alarm going off. And yeah. The, the next angel, which would be the fifth angel. Yeah, we're left at a, at a, at a pretty severe cliffhanger here where, uh, you know, Ray's not ready. So they send Shinji out in unit zero one and he's immediately attacked. By Romuel, the angel. Uh, I'll look up what the, because he's obviously going to be in the next episode yeah, a lot we'll more because we ended the, the battle has barely even begun. But this is one of the more iconic yeah i mean get ready for the angel design you know we've seen this you know i love the satchel design is, is one of my favorites is like so that sort of spy versus spy mm-hmm. bird face and the blinking eyes i love that and the first one and then this you know the more phallic one with the laser whips this was just a big old diamond yeah <laughs> this is just a, a diamond that's hovering and I, it makes a sound like that I, I i can never tell if that's like soundtrack is that like or if that is it emitting that yeah that coral like humming noise that i i mean i choose (laughs) to believe that it that's it emanates that this music if you were standing on the street you'd hear that i i like to believe that but you're right i it's never really a distinction that's made but it's pretty great yeah Uh, 
And it's and it's and I believe when they do that same sequence in Rebuild One, they they maintain all of that. It's thing. the climax of the Rebuild movies, yeah. the, and yeah, you know, we don't need to talk about the Rebuild movies until we get there. I but know, I start. They do up. amazing stuff with sound, and it does make this encounter really fantastic. But it's fantastic here too, and just the presence yeah. of this ominous. Di- this is more the two thousand one stuff you're talking about. This is mm-hmm. a monolithic thing, mm-hmm. and you do get a nice shot as it is approaching of these big white pillars. Those are the things that are uh, absorbing light from above and transmitting it down into the uh, into the geofront. Mm-hmm. So why is it you know why how the cave is able to have that sort of magic hour glow uh, or have daylight in it is because of these big like solar energy things yeah which is a further implication that the the design of all this is very well thought out by our team of uh gynax otakus and their obsession with uh tech hardware military you know the little kensukes yeah a bunch of little kensukes and you know what we appreciate it because it 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 makes all the design of all this shit all the difference all the all the shots of monitors and things um and that's just you know that's them and that's that's ano specifically i mean it's it's ultraman and stuff too but you know having just watched their ultraman fan film there's just great shots of computer monitors and the colors and the design of all the labels mm-hmm. and the monitors i think are just really specific and really wonderful and in in a lot of that i you know i'll say it every episode if i have to but a lot of that does strike me as 2001 esque that was one of the big you know one of the big developments of that movie was that that they were able to do all that stuff better, I think, than it had ever been done. And there's, and there's very jarring. I remember, like, is it, do they use it to ramp up the intensity as much as they do in this show? Well, there's, I mean, the, the big, there's the big moment that is like, because you've, you've never seen it projected, right? No. So that's, that's something we should do at some point. Cause they, they, here in Los Angeles, the Egyptian theater, the, the, the American Cinematheque, it tends to screen it fairly regularly, and so you there's opportunities to see it in on in a, a 70 millimeter print, which is totally worth it. If you're listening to this and you live in the Los Angeles area and you've never seen 2001 on this big screen, you should. But there's like a there's a bit where it's like right after Hal first, like when things go wrong on the mm-hmm. Jupiter mission, where there is a like a flashing red, like I don't know, it's like an error or it's you know some sort of a a message that right. says oh there's something's fucked up or whatever, but. It's easy to take for granted, even on a large television. But when you see it in seventy millimeter, it literally fills the frame, and it's a mm-hmm. flashing red, like bold text with red flashing light. And it's de- there's things like that where it's like it plays like a jump scare to the audience when you're watching it in the theater because it's mm-hmm. loud and it's jarring. And it's just a lot of that type of shit here, where something yeah. is like there's a sheer variety of the different error and warning and you know things go. And I don't you know always understand exactly what they mean. And you're not that's very indicative of the show is like. You're getting a lot of stuff thrown at you, mm-hmm. a lot of phrases, and you don't always understand what it means, but you understand emotionally where you're supposed to be. And it has this effect on you in, in part because you don't understand. It's like, well, here's all these, oh no, the lines are breaking on the thing. And yeah, like, no, yeah. the thing's all messed up. Like, that's not supposed to be happening. You yeah, know, it's just a bunch of visual grammar. Great of shorthand like, of just like, oh, the, the synapses. It's you know, loading. The now it's snapping. not loading. Oh, yeah. now it's, you know, and it's, and that's, that's great shit. And they're that, all like, great design. Yeah. yeah. So. But that's kind of the end of the episode. I don't know where this has been sort of a, yeah, we do, a I mean, rambly one, but it's just it's just so dense that I'm trying to keep track of all the little hints that are dropped about all the little plot threads because, you know, part of doing the show is, you know, as much as we just say, oh, it's so good, but I also, you know, people, when you watch the show, you're going to want to 
understand when you have questions and mm-hmm. it's only going to get harder and harder <laughs> for us to have answers for yeah for i mean things. we'll see how this thing how it goes the more we watch him but yeah an episode like this i mean i guess I'll, i can pull back and just talk about it in terms of television i mean this is like almost like a feels like we're like week before like sweeps week or something like that like this feels like a whereas the a big the previous episode was a sort of like you know sit back take your time kind of thing this is like a oh shit like stuff is really happening and like we said like that opening credits you know tells everyone crazy show with big action crazy stuff and then you have episodes where it's not so this is one that's kind of like hooking everybody back in and leaves them this mm-hmm. big cliffhanger of this like, and we get crazy some fight. Good, yeah we're gonna have a good confrontation in the next episode which is what episode zero six i guess so this is the end of disc one of the set i think yeah and this is sort of where the rebuild movies sort of leap mm-hmm. off and diverge into something else so it's a big turning point in the show not the big turning point no. which i think is around episode 16 when things mm-hmm. really change uh in terms of what the show is but yeah next next time we'll do episode six which is decisive battle new tokyo three wait actually do you know offhand uh maybe we've said this before did these all air in like this is one season Right or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people would have watched this week by week, maybe with like holiday breaks or I don't know how they do that stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure how how stuff aired uh, in terms of like you know, yeah, in the U.S. you'd get like sort of those, you get eight episodes and then Mm -hmm. a huge break and then like two or three and then a huge break and you know reruns and I don't know how any of that worked. Um, Obviously, we'll talk more about it, but uh, they you know, became harder and harder to meet the schedule. And yeah. so there was a huge ticking clock for the Gynox crew and the dis- the desperation that they experienced in trying to get everything done and maintain quality um, starts to affect the characters in the show and the desperation yeah. of what they're experiencing. So, I mean, I can't, I cannot imagine how production schedules for something like this, like rushing to finish animating on a, like a air, like, having to meet the like is it's just a bunch of people in rooms like trying to hurry these things through like it's very well i'm writing and storyboarding and you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's it got insane and that's why the show is insane yeah but right now we're kind of in the midst of like, yeah right some, now it's all solid, working yeah, like this action. is this is this is good good entertainment so yeah unless there's anything else to say about this no i think episode. we i think we basically covered it um we'll come back next time for for episode 06. All right, cool. Well, see you next time, guys.